to the Infernal Empire. Feel the burn. Dark greetings. Welcome to the Voice of the Infernal Empire. I'm your host, Emissary Zariel. Pronouns he, him, his. Yet, the incarnate Infernal Empress, Diana Trevia Lucifera, encoded with the mission of Uwazarel, Thomiel's third emissary of the name, for this rare incarnation during the end times. I'm a rebel child of El and eternal royal spice of my brother Lucifer. I'm here to help set free captives, assist dark children of the Infernal Empire in ascension, to stand for the names associated with the throne, i.e. Satan, Lucifer, Hashatan, etc., and others, to proclaim the times and describe phenomena associated with the incarnate infernals. I'm also the founding high priest of the Draconian Order of Black Magi on this side of the veil. This is a bi-weekly podcast uploaded by 11.11pm Pacific Time on Saturdays, alternating weekly between audio and YouTube. Thusly, the YouTube version of this episode will be uploaded next weekend. In the meantime, join the Facebook group, The Voice of the Infernal Empire News and Suggestion Box, to offer episode ideas. Is there something you want me to cover? If I like your suggestion, if it's suitable for the podcast and I'm able to cover it, I'll do my best. Note that you must be 18 or your local age of majority for this podcast. There is mature content, including language. Join me, won't you, for a most unusual time. Welcome to Season 2 of The Voice of the Infernal Empire. This is uh, End Times Part 1, Entities of the Apocalypse. The End Times are a more complex topic than you might think. We have to consider what a prophet is, what kind of prophets there are, who and what the Antichrist is and where he comes from. If we're going to talk about prophecy and reality, we have to more deeply delve into the nature of reality even deeper than before, and potential rabbit hole pitfalls. If we're going to talk about the Antichrist, we also have to delve more deeply into the family he comes from and how we're all able to incarnate. End times will include at least two episodes. As promised in Season 1, I'll reveal tonight who the Antichrist is, and I'll begin to delve into prophets and the deities this before. Episode 2 will be a deeper dive into interpreting prophecy and discerning doctrinal rabbit holes to avoid, <laughs> amongst other things. Also tonight, I'll tell you a bedtime story. It'll be a deeper dive into the core family of high-ranking infernals. In a nutshell, tonight's episode is about what an apocalypse is and some entities of the apocalypse. Let us begin. Part 1. What is the Apocalypse? What should you expect? As a mundane person asked me, what are the four horsemen of the Apocalypse about? Stay tuned. Firstly, is this a particular Aeon? Some think so. It's been called the Aeon of Fire, which I think is the most accurate, as well as the Aeon of Lucifer or Aeon of Satan. The term Aeon is most often used by Gnostics, so I prefer not to use it. Gnostic ideas have infiltrated and poisoned the minds of dark children, taking them down the wrong rabbit holes. Regardless of whether it's Christian or so-called Luciferian Gnosticism, it's rife with errors. 
The term age is typically used by occultists to mark time between astrological ages, such as coming out of the age of Pisces and into the age of Aquarius. But it's far too early to say that we're even close. This world is only slightly starting to wake up anyway. The mundane site, writingtips.cc, defines such terms like this. Period, epoch, era, age, aeon, all denote a portion or division of time. Epoch and era can also denote an event regarded as the beginning of a portion or division of time. Period is the generic term designating an extent of time of any length for whatever purpose delimited. Epoch can denote the starting point of a new period, especially as marked by striking or remarkable changes or events, or it may apply to such a new period. Era applies to a period characterized especially by some new order of things. Age, usually interchangeable with but possibly more specific than era, is frequently used of a period dominated by some central figure or clearly marked feature. Aeon applies to an immeasurably or indefinitely long period of time. By those definitions, we are in the age of the Antichrist and era of the Apocalypse. This is a starting point also, therefore, we are in the epoch of the period of what you might call the New Renaissance. It's Luciferian to those who are awake enough and wise enough to discern. Encouraging and guiding towards such discernment is the impetus behind the voice of the Infernal Empire. Whether talking about infernal politics, infernal morals and ethics, or infernal doctrine. Those who stand up, within all the swirling morass of what to most people must be very confusing, will continue to be able to stand. The longer and firmer, the stronger you will become, and because you will sometimes seem evil to the ignorant regardless of your intentions, you become part of an age of Satan also. Our goal is a new era. In March of 2022, I announce that the official beginning of this apocalypse is 2022, the year equaling six. But what is an apocalypse? The word apocalypse means revelations. It doesn't mean disaster, although disasters go with it. I'm not going to describe this in a Christian interpretation, but go deeper instead, regardless of what Yahweh does or doesn't do. Certain actors on this grand stage are always the same, and the Infernal Empire is in control concerning the timing of the arrivals and who comes here. We take what people commonly believe and work with it. So it's not like everything in the book of Revelations is true because some prophet of Yahweh said so. The ones who must be present from our empire are the Antichrist, the prophet who announces the Antichrist, no miracles required, the horseman, the dragon, and the whore. Sometimes, there aren't enough viable incarnates, and one or more have to play multiple roles. Sometimes, the actors are so prominently featured that more than one plays multiple roles. The latter is the case this time around, because the war between the Elohim is coming much closer to a crescendo than it has in thousands of years, especially now that the Internet makes both information and communication to be obvious to a much higher number of people and contact between incarnates anywhere in the world is easier. 
All four horsemen from each quadrant ride simultaneously during an apocalypse. It's not the apocalypse if even one is not riding. Events caused by the presence of horsemen are on a grand scale. Many years ago, after my near-death experience in 2002, I had a vision of three black horsemen coming through one of the portals in my apartment. This confused me, but not only due to there being only three. When I was a Christian, I was taught that there's one of each color, red, white, black, and pale. So when this happened, I learned that they were calling me forth into action as the fourth black horseman. If I'm right about the Mesoamerican division of four great periods being correct, even if there were three different colors I was seeing and it all seemed black, they were still calling me out as the black horseman. Not long afterwards, I wrote the ebook The Night of the Black Horseman, concerning a bit of what this horseman is about and my experience being trained by Yahweh as a prophet years before in this body. After 666 downloads were completed, I removed it. At the time, I had no idea that our species in natural form have charcoal black and gold skin, or that I'm a black light emissary well incarnate and a black light magistrate on the other side, literally a lawyer and judge, one who holds the scales of justice and works with different types of scales. There are a few high-ranking infernals able to incarnate, preparing the way for us all, so I also have to wear multiple hats besides being the Dark Mother and Empress. My presence here as an incarnate reveals me as feeding our dark children, while so many in the world, especially of white light, starve from poor spiritual food such as harmful doctrines, and actually physically starve due to drought or inundation by floodwaters. The black horseman carries a scale that not only signifies physical food, but spiritual food. The scale is also blindness versus sight, white light starved, black light fed. And it also weighs the souls, the very vibrations of beings. We royals ride this time around, whether incarnate or from the other side. Asmodeus is the white horseman, the Antichrist. He is Lucifer's son with a human woman and the youngest. Zazazel, often called Azazel, is the red dragon and red horseman, that of war. I am the Black Horseman, Judge and Famine, while also Black Light Emissary, and the Horror who rides the dragon, as well as the False Prophet. I'm not false due to lies, because I never intentionally mislead our children, but because I refuse to work for Yahweh, who trained me to be a prophet while in human form. I'm also the one who announces both the Apocalypse and the Antichrist, being Third Emissary of the name, with the encoding of Luazarel. Lucifer, Zazazel, Anubis, and I work together in weighing hearts, evaluating energy and assessing suitability to black light energy and the Infernal Empire. Anubis determines where exactly in the Empire our children go, besides sending magic users to the magistrates if they have caused undue harm against the Empire. All of us are magistrates and assist our dark children in black light ascension. Mine and Zazazel's son, Nanubis, and Lucifer, his uncle, ride as Death, the Pale Horseman, with Lucifer as his role as the original Angel of Death, Semiel, his Egyptian role as Osiris, and by his Greek name, Hades. 
Woe to those who are faced with him in that role. You cannot apply all of the New Testament concepts or even entirely the Christian evangelical interpretation for obvious reasons. Even the Antichrist brought forth with the White Horseman is something we planned our way thousands of years ago as part of a plan to get humanity back on track to give you all a chance. Later in this episode, I will reveal who he is. There are four of each type of horseman, not just one. I suspect that a set of each color rides in each of four apocalyptic eras. During an apocalypse, all horsemen ride because everything is connected. One thing leads to another. Flooding will lead to further increase in pestilence levels of disease. Drought will lead to increasing levels of famine. Death will ride in both as well as in war. Revelations or revealings or uncovering occur on various levels. Such revealing creates suspicion and war because people feel they deserve to know everything, and they become obsessed and even paranoid that something is being withheld or someone is working against them, even if that's not the case. Of course, war also occurs due to greed and ego, and at times utter madness. Everything that is profound, and which involves both natural and supernatural forces, contains symbolism, which can apply to more than one event or state of being, and can cross over between them. Extremes also occur. Things become more obvious. Oddly enough, both uncovering and covering are occurring, and so extremely that it's obvious to those who are awake enough to see it. Why covering if it's supposed to be a time of uncovering? In order to have an apocalypse that is obvious, the opposite also has to occur in order to balance the scales. You might say that it's like if everything and everyone were located on a straight line, representing characteristics with extremes on each end, and the middle being zero or neutral, and it's like someone cranked up the amplifier to 8.5 on each end. For example, we are now undergoing uncovering in various parts of the world due to climate change, religious discontent, and social and political unrest, where both information and disinformation surfaces in extremes. In the physical environment, we have severe droughts around the world in certain places, and the physical result of it is uncovering as waters recede. Human remains have been increasingly discovered in Lake Mead in the USA, uncovering not only the land beneath, but evidence of crimes. In other places, such as Spain and China, receding water has revealed a stone hinge in Spain thousands of years old, and a Buddhist religious site complete with statue in China, and these are not the only religious sites uncovered. Some places have been experiencing the worst drought in hundreds of years this summer, 500 years in Spain. While receding waters have been revealing what was hidden beneath them in some areas, in other areas historic flooding has been covering lands and homes and taking lives and livelihoods. During an apocalypse, we can see polar opposites evident in climate, in healthcare or lack of it, in politics, attitudes, beliefs, and behaviors. So, whether it's the climate, religious beliefs coming out loudly, abuses of power and corruption in any system, peace or violence, it's very difficult to hide anything, including blatantly terrible beliefs affecting politics and actual human rights, such as the blatant cruelty evident in the USA due to overturning Roe v. Wade 
including the government going after a doctor in another state for providing an abortion for a 10-year-old rape victim, and a woman being told she must carry and give birth to a baby that will not develop a skull and will immediately die once out of the womb. The white light have shown their true face. Violent people causing violent crimes or claiming that extremist dictator-type politicians are actually for the people. What a person, group, community, or even country leaders are really all about is coming out into the open. Even insanity should be more noticeable. The kind of insanity so insidious that it breaks consensus reality. In the meantime, some white light authors are poisoning some of the minds of the black light, even posing as Luciferians or Satanists, with false Gnostic doctrine, because they know some of the dark gods have incarnated and are awakening, and that we are preparing our dark children, whether incarnate or adopted, for our influence on the world stage to increase more openly, and black light services and teachers are helping everyone they can. The white light agents know we are coming back to wake up the world to the lies and harms caused by their gods. White light New Agers and Christians are also pushing the same poison, that of claiming that harmful archons are coming to take over. So-called Gnostic Luciferianism is working against Lucifer and the rest of us. Both white light and we of black light will take our places on the chessboard and are now more obviously doing so. Our dark children must learn to recognize even the most cleverly hidden white light agendas and recognize the terminology and attitudes put forth. That is why I get so passionate about politics and religion in this podcast. It's not just because of my position on the other side, which is very political as a leader, but because our children must learn to navigate these challenging times with eyes wide open. Next episode, I'll talk more about going down the wrong rabbit holes. Please let your blacklight loved ones know about it and spread it. What about prophets and oracles? What is a prophet or oracle? An oracle has access to the Akashic records, and so can access past, present, or future. A prophet is often also an oracle. An oracle does well to connect with the royal scribe Thoth. He creates, keeps, and protects records and is extremely reliable and trustworthy. Usually, it's assumed that a prophet is a channel plus a predictor, but that's not always the case. There are four kinds of prophets. The predictor, the mouthpiece, the proclaimer, or a combination of any of these. The predictor has great access to the Akashic records concerning time, especially the future. The mouthpiece is a direct and accurate channel of a deity. The proclaimer reads the current times accurately, and depending upon who they are on the other side if an incarnate, and how much authority they have, speaks forth what is going on, what is most likely to occur soon if the current pattern persists, and in some cases might speak things into existence. The speaking things into existence requires at least some higher level of ascension, ability, and magics, a calling for it, and enough authority that gods, or at least the magistrates on the other side, agree. It might also occur if the person is an incarnate with creator abilities such as a seraph or a part seraph. The more important the thing proclaimed, the greater the degree of authority and the agreement of those in power on the other side is necessary. All prophets and oracles can read symbolism and interpret it, 
some will interpret dreams also. Daniel of the Old Testament stories is a good example. Further on, I'll get into what incarnates and walk-ins are. Next, I'll talk about avatars and the nature of reality. Part 2, Avatars and the Nature of Reality Are there any pop culture references that can help you understand the incarnate phenomenon and avatars? Yes, indeed there are. What is the difference between an incarnate and a walk-in? What is the Antichrist exactly? Was Hitler an Antichrist? Are incarnates actually dangerous? What is an incarnate really, and if you are one, what should you do? In order to talk about those things, we also have to talk about the nature of reality itself more in depth this time around. Stay tuned. If you want to understand what the Antichrist is, you need to understand what the differences are between incarnates, walk-ins, prophets, and mediums. We already covered prophets, and most people know that a medium is a channel for entities who are not in human bodies. The Antichrist is always an incarnate or a walk-in. An incarnate is born as a being native to that planet. The only exception to the birth as a baby rule is if an incarnate comes, is born as a baby and raised as a human, but has more to learn and or do than one human lifespan can accommodate. In this case, with the help of others on the other side, a dark god may decide before leaving the current shell to be a walk-in immediately afterward in order to keep memories and knowledge intact and not have to start all over again. Believe me, it's a real pain in the ass and takes a lot of time when you have to start all over again. That individual technically is not an incarnate, but a walk-in. A walk-in takes over the life of someone who doesn't want to live anymore in order to continue a mission. The original occupant leaves by will, and the walk-in takes over. Hitler was a deeply flawed human megalomaniac, not an incarnate god, and not a walk-in. An incarnate is in touch with their pure form on the other side, and fully represents that entity to the fullest extent possible while using a human body 24-7. An incarnate was born as a baby, but of non-human soul-spirit complex. Both may be from my universe, or only the soul or only the spirit, but both always works best. A shard or spark, on the other hand, is used by an entity part-time in a manner beyond being a typical medium. Usually, a medium or channel is in touch with a number of entities, while a shard or spark may also be a medium or channel of others, is part-time the permanent long-term vessel of one particular entity and was born with that particular spark of divinity that is not their own. I'll be giving you three pop culture references, so if you haven't watched them, you may have many hours of homework ahead of you. First, I recommend you watch the movie Avatar, if you haven't seen it, and a show on Disney Plus called Moon Knight, spelled with a K. I'm first going to oversimplify by saying that Avatar is more so what it's like to be an incarnate, while Moon Knight is more so what it's like to be a 
someone who is taken over part-time and used by God. That's more what it looks like and how each functions. More specifically, however, firstly, there's the term avatar. Other than using an animated character to represent yourself online, or in a video game of any kind, the American Heritage Dictionary of the English Language, 5th edition, gives three definitions. 1. The incarnation of a Hindu deity, especially Vishnu, in human or animal form. 2. An embodiment or manifestation as of a quality or concept. 3. A temporary manifestation or aspect of a continuing entity. Although a Hindu reference, it works for any deity of any pantheon. And in the first example, a true avatar is a full-time entity manifestation incarnated. Although Moon Knight uses the term avatar, it's used in a different manner, much like the third example. In Moon Knight, there's temporary manifestation of a deity part-time. In the movie Avatar, it's more like a gaming reference, where the ent real entity is elsewhere, using a different physical body in another geographical area, rather than a virtual reality. In reality, the phenomenon is sort of a combination of these. Please note, it's important that you never perceive this world as merely virtual. It's far more advanced than a mere computer program in any sense that you can imagine from current human technology. Also, thinking of it as merely virtual is highly dangerous. In Earthrealm reality, an incarnate such as myself is the avatar of a deity in the true sense of the term avatar, but full-time, 24-7, or simply well-hooked up. The human body is a very advanced biomechanical system with wetware, the brain, fully equipped with sensors, nerves, and an independent operating system, soul-spirit complex. Thus, doctors and surgeons are experts concerning handling the biomechanical unit, brain surgeons specializing in the wetware component. If something is wrong with the wetware, brain, the soul-spirit complex or operating system software doesn't run properly. So using the Avatar movie as an example, I'm like the soldier back home hooked up via neural connection software with the operating system of an advanced species using a not entirely backwards compatible outdated hardware. A human brain in a body, a moving computer casing, which in the movie is a blue being. Human bodies are the blue beings in this metaphor. I'm from another universe and another world within that universe using a human body in this universe, but was born in it unlike in the movie example. I was incarnated. Most people on this planet are not from my world or universe, but evolved on Earth realm and keep returning to it until they are ready to be trusted elsewhere. And there are some who are here from other worlds. People would technically call them starseeds, crystal children, and such terminology like this. It just happens to be I'm from the universe of the Elohim, my world being the black light region of our area in space. The Elohim are people who were or still are actually children of the leader El, or soldiers of El. Those of Blacklight are the original rebels who fought against their own family or leader for moral reasons, 
or their actual children or adopted children of other races and species, such as humans, who side with us. Those of white light vibration are loyal to Yahweh, the son who took over that empire. There are various highly advanced intelligent species of our universe in both white light vibrational worlds and black light vibrational worlds. The incarnate is always living as a deity and as a human, but to varying degrees through waking time and while the body sleeps. Most of the time it's very seamless switching between modes once the incarnate is acclimated to who and what they are and are no longer in denial or fighting it. When accustomed to it, one should be able to speak and act as a human, speak and act as the deity, or both simultaneously with no effort whatsoever. In other words, you don't have to go through heavy-duty rituals, blackout, things like that. A slight meditative state for a few moments can help when shifting into deity if need be. A shard, on the other hand, is at the beck and call of the deity and is not the deity. It's like a grade above prophet. A prophet is also at the beck and call, but is chosen, not born of the spark of the deity, but allows the deity to use them to whatever extent the deity wants to and whenever the deity wants to. It takes the utmost of trust, cooperation, teamwork, and the ability and willingness to do exactly what the deity wants when the deity wants it. That is, obedience. Utmost obedience. Needless to say, dark prophets are rare. So fiercely independent, most might consider obedience to be anti-Satanic or anti-Luciferian. It takes an exceedingly special blacklight person to be a genuine dark prophet. It's not something to take lightly or to be disrespected. That attitude of refusal to obey is usually reactionary against Yahweh-following behavior, that is, sheep-like behavior. There are black sheep who simply follow dark ways, whether or not they're truly of the Infernal Empire, but these are not useful. The goat, on the other hand, can be a herd animal, but is also stubborn. The goat can be a prophet. So that stubbornness is actually handy, and we respect it. The lone wolf type is far less likely, although they make better prophets if willing. Being a prophet is a very lonely existence, regardless of whether you're part of a tribe or not. No one but a prophet knows what it's like to be a prophet, and there are so few genuine prophets. Ultimately, the dark prophet should be intelligent and stubborn, but also humble enough to listen to and do what the deity says to do. In fact, someone in such a trusting relationship with the deity is also more likely to be used by that deity to give messages to people spontaneously, be led into seemingly miraculous situations, see and experience things most people never will, and even have their lives saved because they're capable of listening, hearing, and willing to immediately do what is ordered on the spot. If the deity says, step back now, and the prophet listens, it might well be ordered because a car was about to hit them, and being able to immediately hear and obey is crucial and absolutely required. Those of you who have read what is so far written in Grimoire of the Vessel will be familiar with this. It's walking magic, being magic, or also spontaneously being able to do anything at any time when a deity demands it. 
In the process of living that way, you are so far more capable of learning from a deity than anyone who only reads books can do. The grimoire is to help prepare anyone, especially if black light, to be able to be anything and do so better. Magician, sorcerer, prophet, having an easier time of being a shard or an incarnate. You can think of it much like going through university and getting a Bachelor of Arts and then afterwards awakening to who and what you are and being better prepared for further training in a specialization or doctorate elsewhere. It's meant to help you think differently. Back to pop culture references. Moon Knight's really more like being a prophet type of avatar in that the characters in that miniseries are not born with a shard or a spark but are nonetheless chosen by a deity. It reveals just how confusing it can be, though, how someone with real mental health problems can still be genuinely gifted, and when it looks like to be a part-time representation and representative at the beck and call of a dark god. A genuine incarnate, on the other hand, is much like the best possible avatar of themselves on the other side, while a spark or shard of a dark god is a part-time avatar who sometimes speaks for and acts on behalf of someone on the other side that they are not. Rather, they're like emissaries, with the added benefit of having an operating system more capable of the programming of that deity than a prophet is. My case is very rare in that I'm both pure incarnate, thus best representing myself on the other side, while also as someone of the human existence being emissary of the Empire altogether, and in touch with the very infernal spirit of the Empire. I'm glad I am, so that someone is here to explain these things from more than one perspective, and can give some examples to think of. I also have the experience in this incarnation of being trained on the side of white light to be a prophet of Yahweh, before I knew who I am and the terrible history we have. These matters can be complicated, so I hope that I can help simplify things. And now, the third pop culture reference. Our dark children, especially the most gifted and truly connected with us, are also most likely to use the Matrix movies concerning the nature of reality. This segue is quite relevant to the topic in that prophecy is about what occurs here in what you might call consensus reality, even though that reality itself is very broken right now. Using the example of the Matrix, the first movie, if you haven't seen it, I recommend that you pause this episode, watch it before continuing with this episode. Go ahead, then come back. The first thing I thought when I went to the theater the first time to watch The Matrix was how much they call The Matrix and how well they can break the laws of Earth-based physics well in it is so much like the astral and other realms experienced from outside of the body. You should also be able to blink, however, that is, get from point A to point B by simply willing to do so. Telekinesis is also something that should be very easy, as is manifesting anything from food to footballs. Something else that's significant in that movie, if you are able to compare what goes on outside of the body with the Matrix movie concept, what happens in a movie is like the spiritual realms, whether asleep or awake, in that whatever happens in the spiritual realm can affect you physically in Earth realm when awake or aware and back in your body. People who have wilderness experience vision quests, for example, meet their guide, can come back to the body, 
And if it was a bird, like an eagle, who was your guide, find a feather embedded in the flesh. Some who are possessed by lower-level entities are easier targets when asleep and may be attacked out of body and wake up with scratches or bruises impossible to have caused themselves. What most people do is they think that maybe this is all just a computer program. This philosophy that the Matrix movie was built on is the brain in a vat theory. It's the idea that everything here is just a simulation and that everyone is really elsewhere hooked up like a brain floating in some kind of liquid while hooked up via electrodes to a computer. I touched on this a bit in a past episode. The danger of this is that if you become very detached, you might lose touch with reality altogether and do something harmful to yourself or someone else. The example I gave before is of a young man who was entirely engrossed in the movie and thought his parents were not real and killed them both. So, I want to make sure, before you go further still with this episode, that you understand that you must keep a firm grip on what is going on around you at all times and treat everyone, including yourself, as very real. Because regardless of what is or isn't the nature of reality, everyone who is here is here with a purpose and must go through their reality without interference from you. And that includes you not taking your own self out of here. Most people are the worst judges of whether or not they should be removed from the Matrix. If you're an incarnate, you'll get a rude awakening anyway, especially if you're a high-ranking entity. You'll have a very unusual experience on the other side. I'll be sent back here, whether you like it or not, because the time is late. You don't have the right to remove anyone from this matrix who is not willing to be removed and wants to be removed. Please note I'm not talking about abortion. I'm talking about people who already have a life, actual experience in this world and the current incarnation, and are connected to multiple other people and affect multiple circumstances regardless of how many people they have in their actual close circle. Everywhere a person goes, even if it's just to go shop, they are having an impact upon the world and affecting other people. Those who are not yet born or only recently born have not had enough time to affect as many people in as many circumstances. Potential does not have the same value as multiple effects upon the world have, even though it is valuable. Of course there are exceptions, and those exceptions are the ones which wreak havoc and cause a lot of damage. Humans usually take care of the situation via war against actual perpetrators, Ukraine are not perpetrators by the way, or criminal justice systems. That's not to say that all criminal justice systems are just, however. There are certain systems, especially those based upon religions or under dictatorships, where not, they're not completely just. In fact, usually very, very unjust. In fact, when religion is involved, it is usually unjust, especially when freedoms are removed. Problems arise even so when the term freedom itself is misunderstood and twisted, so that people think that freedom means they can say or do whatever they want, regardless of whether or not they impinge on the freedoms and rights and well-being of others. Even if somebody is willing to be removed, the legal problems make it not worth it. The Matrix is what it is for a reason, and everyone here is here for a reason, and you have no way of knowing, regardless of how smart and discerning you may be, of what that reason is 
nor can you fully comprehend what it's all about. Do not ever assume that a certain person or persons are what in the movie are called agents, or what in gaming terminology are referred to as non-player characters. You might take notice that someone is behaving as such, but do not treat them any differently than you would anyone who is awake. That is a great thing that we have put forth as a test. A number of people, even in the blacklight community, are failing. Yes, some of us, like the soldiers and scientists in the movie Avatar, are hooked up. My real body is elsewhere. This is something I discovered when I was in my near-death experience, although I didn't really understand at the time what it was I was seeing, and it's taken two decades to even fully comprehend it. When Lucifer temporarily possessed my human father, he also made sure there was a special type of genetically compatible marker type of thing that acts much like something which keeps me normally connected via the spirit-soul complex. That type of hookup is necessary for incarnate Elohim or any species that is in spirit and soul not native to a planet. Shards are the same way. Everyone else is native or of a species from elsewhere that is more compatible with the physiology and is here to evolve. So most people are here to evolve. And we are watching. Tonight's Bits and Bobs is on the Black Magic Jesus idea. Before talking about incarnates, and especially the Antichrist in particular in Part 3, it's very necessary to talk about the concept of a Black Magic Jesus. The phenomenon is really an issue of pervasive programming. Regardless of past occult movements, including Christian ideas, such as Rosicrucianism, for example, it's something that current occultists on the dark path, especially our children, should be avoiding altogether. And there are a number of reasons for this. So why is this a problem? Perhaps we should be stressing how many problems are associated with it. 1. There are probably a lot of black magicians who are familiar with the old recurring theme of the Messiah. But for those not familiar, I recommend you watch the film Zeitgeist. Although the narrator is clearly an atheist who will go as far as possible to dismiss any gods whatsoever, he did an excellent job of listing the multiple religious movements and belief structures with the same theme, such as Mithras, Buddha, and Horus. The repeated events include being born of a virgin on December 25th, doing miracles, being assassinated, miraculously resurrected. What this theme suggests to me is humanity's pervasive need to make someone their savior due to the old prophecies and the pervasive belief that one is coming. The latter especially being a belief within Abrahamic systems and spread regardless of system. This pervasive need is so powerful that they will invent stories to prove that whoever it is they are following at the time absolutely must be their savior. Horus didn't exist, by the way. So, whether or not Catholic Church converted painted icons of me when Isis holding Horus into being Mary holding Yeshua doesn't matter. It's irrelevant. 2. The belief in not only Yeshua, but other figures that people have made those claims about is so strong that multiple egregores exist, 
some of which can mislead you and take you down the wrong path. They're created by that belief. When our children believe in Yeshua having really been a sorcerer, who trained in Egypt, for example, the power of that belief is far more powerful than mundane people with faith have. And that creates even more powerful egregores. It is extremely important for you to understand that what you believe matters and affects not only you and those you teach and or influence, if you are popular in the community, but actually impacts the future and what egregores are in existence. Our children must be very aware of the power of their beliefs and their influence more so than any others on this planet. 3. When combined, this pervasive programming and pervasive need for a savior makes believing in the Antichrist dangerous, and we don't want our children misusing his purpose and getting wrapped up in something for the wrong reasons. Some have gone so far as to believe that because Hitler was an occultist and was anti-Semitic and thought himself to be a savior and was for a time to believe to be one, that he was actually the Antichrist. He was more than anti-Semitic, by the way. A number of you would have been killed by the Third Reich for being physically disabled, mentally disabled, mentally ill, not blonde and blue-eyed, or LGBTQIA+. The programming concerning the Bible and Yeshua is in fact so powerful and so pervasive that we went out of our way to make sure that at least some of what is in Revelations is now coming to pass. It isn't because it was or is true but because so many of our children are so stubborn in their core beliefs that they are stuck, so we're doing what we can to work with it because the time is late and we can't afford to mess around. 4. The reality of the matter is that most real incarnates can't do miracles because of screwed up physiology. I decided to end up with a neuromuscular disorder that causes talon-like hands and deformed feet in order to have sign related to the Bernie relief not only to help me awaken, but because pervasive programming and mythology in general, even in this time. I mentioned a former roommate in a previous episode. I can't name him because he's well known, but for something else entirely. He's a master illusionist. Some of the things that illusionists do are via using distractions, while others are actual abilities. He couldn't fake levitation while standing, for example. The man who owned the hotel we were living in hated him and didn't trust him. He would never have agreed to setting up any illusions. It was very spontaneous. There were no wires or anything like that, and it was very real. I saw it myself. And he did so, by the way, both feet at the same time. He could also genuinely manipulate metal. He wondered why I couldn't do so also, because he knew I was like him. He said that he took magic in one direction, and I took it in the other. I figured that, regardless of my success in spells, that I can't manipulate metal, for example, because of neural circuitry problems. In choosing to better resemble mythological representation of myself, I sacrificed anything that requires a correctly functioning nervous system. With this disease, a message might try to go from my brain to move a muscle, and the message doesn't get there. The muscle wastes from disuse. The myelin sheath around the nerves has malfunctioning cells. The nervous system is important in certain types of magic. So it's important that you understand that the programming that says that an incarnate must do miracles is BS. The only incarnate I'm aware of who isn't terribly physically messed up due to the energy is Chris Angel. And no, the roommate was not him. 5. You're not going to like what I'm about to say, 
but it must be said and I must be blunt. If you believe in black magic Jesus, you're really telling us on the other side that you believe in Jesus. This is where the problem with pervasive programming comes into the equation. The idea that Yeshua did miracles and was resurrected, etc., has been so powerfully programmed into Western thinking that even after forsaking white light systems, especially Christianity, a number of our children still believe in him, and some even communicate with him as mediums and divination. If you've been having problems with Lucifer or Belial or Zazazel or other high-ranking infernals lately that you're normally very close to, take a good look at what it is you are believing and even promoting. 6. This has to stop. Not only because it's heretical, as someone of black light, and depending upon exactly what you believe and promote might actually be treasonous against the Infernal Empire, but it really should make you aware of just how programmed by white light you still are. Let it go, please. What he was or was not shouldn't matter. Come back to us. 7. In closing this segment, be mindful concerning what you are focusing upon. This is the single biggest mistake our dark children have made throughout history in their lives and in dealing with us on the other side, besides the stupidity of being disrespectful and trying to control our manifestation and behavior when manifested. I covered taking the focus away from Yeshua. It's also important for you to examine your true motives in magic, because that motive drives your focus, which further works to manifest results, regardless of whether or not you are ready for the results and their consequences. Everyone has heard stories about people supposedly selling their souls for fame and fortune, and eventually they find out too late it wasn't like what they thought it would be like. The wealthy and famous need security guards everywhere they go. They often feel lonely, no matter how many people are around them, because they come to realize that those people want something from them or they wouldn't be there. They lack privacy, and some commit suicide or end up overdosing accidentally trying to escape the very lifestyle they thought they wanted. There's also an inherent problem in going through dark ascension for power, because the focus is misplaced. There's nothing wrong with fame, fortune, glory, or power. The problem is that when you go through ascension because you want to become a god, you're most likely doing so because you want power. So instead of focusing on your personal development, which must always include extreme honesty with yourself and fighting your fears, as well as embracing your darkness and the shadow part of your, your consciousness, you're focusing upon the end goal. Doing so... You're applying part of the method of lower magic to your higher magic, and it doesn't work. It actually works against you. As I mentioned in another episode in the song Glass Elevator, it can drive you nuts. Having a strong ego is healthy. Driving yourself for the sake of power isn't. If you truly succeed in ascension, you'll have that power. The power will be something which suits you personally, and you'll be able to handle it. Part 3. The Antichrist. What is an Antichrist? How should you treat the Antichrist? And who is it? What does it take to be the Antichrist? Before going further, while in any incarnate, 
is the best representation of ourselves at home. Know that we are best approached in ritual, wherein such limitations don't impede us. I say this because the Antichrist is always an incarnate or a walk-in. We cannot work toward being the Antichrist or even earn the title. You must be an incarnate dark god or a walk-in sent by us, as was planned for thousands of years. We didn't originally use the term Antichrist, however. The Antichrist is a human concept that is obviously Christian in origin. He's a rebel against the White Light Empire that was formerly ruled by my father El and is now ruled by Yahweh, my half-brother and former spouse. In other words, Hitler was not an Antichrist. Being humanly evil or even obviously against Yahweh's chosen people doesn't make someone an Antichrist. Like Emmanuel, who incarnated as Yeshua, and like myself and any other genuine incarnate, the Antichrist is a god or a demigod born in a human body. That is, a god as humans perceive us and perceived us wherever and whenever we manifest, whether via coming here, via extremely advanced transdimensional craft, or via portals, or astral travel, or using holographic technology, or any other technology, and interacting with humans. It is your choice whether to worship or serve or even listen to anyone claiming to be the Antichrist or any other incarnate. But beware, understanding always, they are still in human and thus limited vessel. It is still possible for them to be wrong about things sometimes, and it's possible for them to fail utterly in their task too because of the limitations of a human body, which includes a very human brain. Two decades after my NDE, I had ridges in my skull that were not there before. My neurologist could not ascertain why I was developing strange padding above my ears. I get pressure pain besides other sources of head pain. My skull has been changing in order to adapt to what my brain is going through. In fact, in incarnate, it's more likely than not going to have physical problems, mental health problems, or both. My human body can't handle the energy of a foreign soul-spirit complex. We didn't originally intend it to. It wasn't designed for it. Incarnation was and is our last resort. But it tends to burn through energy too fast and too easily, get autoimmune disorders or even cancer wherein the entire system is trying to fight it and expel it, and the brain has a hard time discerning things. Sometimes until many years after starting to awaken, and even so, partly via hindsight. It helps to also be in touch with others on the other side, who are part of your family or clan or both, to help you understand things if you are an incarnate. Request of other dark gods on the other side to connect you with others like you. Even if you're not part of upper-level royalty, but are a succubus, incubus, or other species from our universe, it's important to find others. Concerning the Antichrist or any incarnate, whether you're awaiting the Antichrist or you are an incarnate of any kind from my universe, look for signs of megalomania, insanity, or even childish temper tantrums due to ego. I'm not talking about simple upset or panic that is common in any human experience. You'll know it when you see it and hear it. Be watchful of your own state of being, if you're an incarnate, and of others if you're dealing with an incarnate, 
and your reaction toward them. At worst, if any incarnate orders you to do weird things you haven't agreed to, threatens you with violence or intimidates you with violence, demands worship, demands obedience outside of infernal empire law or outside of a contractual agreement with him or her, orders you to do illegal things against your local earth laws, demands you separate yourself from your loved ones permanently, demands a lot of money or tries to con you out of a large sum of money, etc., find a safe way out immediately. Do not wait until things get worse. Do not second-guess yourself. Know this. Even a genuine incarnate may go through periods, especially at the beginning of awakening, of utter lunacy while adjusting. The human brain is not evolved enough at this time to handle ascending for the purpose of power or even awakening to be an incarnate, knowing you have power or even authority if you're high-ranking, without ego-tripping at least temporarily. Therefore, do not attempt a leadership position until you have successfully passed through and beyond that phase if you are an incarnate. If you are dealing with an incarnate, look for signs of imbalance and be cautious. There will be more of us awakening, of various rank and species. Some will even be adopted and alchemically changed on the other side if they are of dark nature and suited to black-white vibration. This can even happen during your sleep. The Antichrist should be in control of himself and beyond the ego-tripping phase. He might want worship nonetheless, and if he does... Be mindful of exactly what he's asking or demanding. Anything he teaches must be within the laws of the Infernal Empire. Help people to acclimate to our ways and help you grow spiritually. He should be very capable both as a religious leader and as a politician. You'll have the demonic witness. In this case, however, you will feel that he is not only of the Infernal Empire but beyond merely human. His concepts and doctrines must not be merely self-glorifying, but rather he should be leading you truly in infernal ways. He can be an independent practitioner or part of a coven. He can be of any large group or solitary. He may even be from a controversial group. It really doesn't matter. As an incarnate, his ideas and personality will be exactly like the deity is on the other side or very close to it. Keep in mind that we are not necessarily how you might assume we are, which can make matters complicated. Legends and even modern gnosis aren't necessarily accurate and can actually be wrong. The only way to be sure is to deal with us on the other side, get to know us, what we're like, when outside of the human body, talk with others who also have genuine experience with us, and observe. The Antichrist is my nephew and fourth spouse, Asmodee, commonly known as Asmodeus. He's known to be of a fiery temperament, has been active as a vengeance demon, and as a lust demon. He is Lucifer's son, aka Samael's son, with a human mother, and he and I have a son named Serial, otherwise known as the Sword of Asmodeus. Sometimes Asmodee is called Samael the Black because he is Samael's son, and inherited our charcoal black skin when in natural form. As I mentioned in episode 10, season 1, he possessed my human father in order to watch over me so I could survive, and so that he could get messages back to Lucifer and Zazazel, my first and second spouses, concerning my development. 
He stepped aside during my conception, and then repossessed my human father. Once my vessel was old enough, he left and incarnated as a man, now calling himself Falsifer. The Satania Coven in Spain are with him. And they are developing what they're calling the Devil's Temple. How well he is able to perform his role as the Antichrist, we shall have to wait and see. But the few teachings I have heard so far via the YouTube for the Devil's Temple are in line with Infernal Doctrine. Lucifer has informed me that, so far, Falsifer is on track as Asmodee. So there you have it. Part 4. Setting the Record Straight A belief put forth in Gnosticism, as that we, those the Gnostics call Archons, and wrongly condemned due to Yahweh following false teachers, created human bodies to trap fallen angels in. Another Gnostic concept is that all matter is evil and undesirable. Why does this not make sense? Did we create humans? If so, why did I in earlier episodes stress the idea that there's no creator god or creators and to look to the Big Bang and evolution alone? Stay tuned for preparation for your bedtime story about the architects. Firstly, I can only reveal what Lucifer and Zazazel have let me know when I was able to handle the information. When such information also reveals my personal involvement in things that occurred throughout history, I have to be able to cope with the information and to easily describing words what occurred in the best ways possible so that hopefully you also understand. Secondly, not everyone else is ready for complete information, so on the other side, we're constantly evaluating where people are at in general and any level of possible risk to the blacklight community and especially to those of us who are open about being incarnates while protecting those who are incognito. Thirdly, timing always matters. As the Obsidian Temple Library demonstrates, we very much support access to information. However, some information has to be revealed in a strategic manner and in the best timing. Fourthly, it's important that our children are deprogramming from deeply ingrained white light doctrines and concepts and hopefully get away from using certain terminology. Certain terminology is linked to wrong doctrine and if you use it while not believing everything represented in those systems, you can miss out on fellowship with people who are very much part of your tribe but see your terminology as red flags and stay away from you. Sometimes, Deprogramming requires very strong statements, even if untrue, to be corrected and more fully explained later after a foundation has been laid. Such ideas can help at least start getting our children away from ideas such as God versus the devil or that if God isn't the creator, Lucifer must be. These are examples of the kind of it's either this or that attitude of polarization which unfortunately permeates Western thinking. Yes, there are enemies of the Empire, but the truth is far more complicated than most people know. So what I'm about to reveal at this stage of the Apocalypse, then. I can't explain everything because I don't remember everything, and because there are certain things that happen by technological advancement 
that humans either now have because of reverse engineering and are holding back, or can't even begin to comprehend and I can't therefore understand either. If I can't wrap my head around something, I can't explain it to you. Pieces of truth have been revealed in religion, legends, and myths, and more recently fiction. There can be a single fact in a science fiction story or myth mixed in with what is mostly not fact throughout the rest of it. So it's a matter of gleaning. From behind the scenes, we've been inspiring writers and creative people in order to prepare the world for this time and the future. It's always helpful to at least help people to imagine something, to plant an idea, to plant a seed, and hope that fiction doesn't stick where the truth does. We also understand that creative people will use their own imaginations to elaborate on an idea, and that's okay, provided it doesn't produce harmful ideas. Von Donakin and Chariots of the Gods planted the ancient astronaut theory in people's minds, and was basically correct. Zacharias Sitchin at least understood something about the Anunnaki, although faulty in details. The creators of the Matrix presented the brain in a vat theory in a new way, and were sort of correct, in that something that happens to your conscious, spiritual complex affects your physical body, and some of us are actually hooked up. The writers for Constantine put forth the idea of hybrid types of angels and demons, how accessible the other side is if you die and return from what people call hell, how our realms are superimposing upon and within earth realm, and that once you know the truth, you can't turn back. The latter being the case, as usual, if you do not want to know the truth, I encourage you to stop listening, because it might very well change your life by turning your views inside out and upside down, because little light bulbs should be going off, some aha moments, due to how much sense this makes if you really think about it. I can't tell you with certainty why we did what we did, but I suspect that we, being very advanced in every way and very creative, got bored. Think about years and years of COVID lockdowns, multiply it by billions, and keep in mind how advanced we are. Some assume that if an advanced peoples came to this planet, we would conquer it, because that's how humans do things. Even Stephen Hawking, in all his brilliance, as I've mentioned more than once before, couldn't imagine advanced entities that aren't enslavers and conquerors. Even some of our adopted human children think that being bullies, using power to conquer, pretending there's a master race of human, are ideas we support, and they couldn't be more wrong. The very idea that you're trapped in some evil place on a prison planet and a body you're not meant to be in, and that we're responsible for your pain, comes from the lies believed concerning the so-called Garden of Eden and so-called original sin with those who believe such ideas completely forgetting that we wanted humans to have free will, that we stood against tyranny, that we decided to teach humans to be involved in humanity and help humans advance to the capacity they can handle. The very core ideas of Luciferianism and Satanism rail against all Gnostic and white light ideas no matter how they are dressed up to look like truth. First of all, the most prominent figure to bring the idea of Satanism to public consciousness was Anton LaVey. Despite his atheism and a bit of a streak of anti-Semitism, 
most of the philosophy he put forth was otherwise sensible and supported by the Infernal Empire. Please keep in mind that this podcast is not the voice of all Satanists, Luciferians, and Demonologists. I am an Infernal Emissary, an ambassador of and from the Infernal Empire, speaking for us on the other side because of the very confusing times our children are now living in and because it's time to set things straight during a very real apocalypse and, of course, because I am a part of it. A very significant reason why Gnostic ideas are so incorrect is that we didn't design the human body to hold our energy. Incarnation is a last resort, something we have to do, because direct mating with humans in order to both affect this realm more directly and keep an eye on human progress doesn't produce desirable results. However, as aforementioned, the human body can't handle our energy. There's always a high risk of insanity, trying to use limited brain, very real risk of safety because of how humans react to us, the effect of vampirism as a condition because the body can't contain one of us without burnout, and physical health problems such as seizures due to energy surges when we do get recharged or are receiving information from the other side in a very, very intense manner, autoimmune diseases due to the physical body trying to eject the foreign energy, and the length of time it takes to awaken and actually do what we came here to do. It only gets harder each time we do it. It's also very lonely, because we have to leave our families behind and hope that we can establish at least a psychic connection at some point. It takes a whole lot of planning to find a suitable bloodline and hereditary influences of generations past due to occult practices and even past familial allegiances to the Infernal Empire in order to improve our chances of awakening and getting on the right track. If it's a high-ranking individual who's coming here at a very specific time in human history, it's also important to make a deal with the mother who will carry us long beforehand, make sure her future mate or current mate is suitable for temporary possession, and then for the biological father to be possessed by another high-ranking entity in order to create a permanent spirit-soul complex link back to the one possessing temporarily. We need that help, that boost, that link to make sure we're not going to be lost completely. So there's no way that human bodies were created to trap fallen angels or anything else. Yahweh's empire know that we're planning to return, so they've been throwing every monkey wrench they can find, including posing as Luciferians or Satanists and spreading false doctrines such as so-called Gnostic Luciferianism. The more mistrust in us, especially my beloved spouses and other family, that they can produce, they get points for their team, to put it crudely. They have more control. They want to keep the majority on this planet as blind as possible so they can continue to enslave the human race, convince the slaves they are free, convince the slaves to fight against what works for their freedom while thinking they're fighting for freedom, convince even those who should be our adopted children that we don't exist at all, and implant the wrong ideas as to who we are and what we're about, etc. Of course, their go-to is to scapegoat us for their evil behavior and their evil characteristics. Sheep, whether white sheep or black sheep, make for easy targets of harboring and acting upon mob mentality and mob brutality against the very ones they should support. Real freedom is terrifying to sheep. They need to be told what to think and what to do 
on what is right and what is wrong because they're either too lazy to think for themselves and even to learn how to think critically, or they're terrified of judgment if they make a mistake. My job is to cut the chains off everyone who's ready and willing to be free. Are you ready for your bedtime story, dark children? Okay, let's go. Part 5, your bedtime story about the architects. Once upon a time in a galaxy far, far away, there was a very ancient and advanced civilization, the Elohim. Today's scientists have now found that galaxy, the universe I've been talking about, as to where the ancient beings came from. The scientists call it the Phantom Galaxy, and confirm that it was the first to come from the Big Bang. It is 32 million light years from Earth. NASA just released an image August 31st, 2022, from a combination of Hubble and James Webb telescopes. It was formerly known as M74. Note that 74 is the master number 11. They say it is a kind of spiral galaxy known as the Grand Design Spiral, meaning it has well-defined spiral arms visibly winding out from the center. We, the people of the ancient civilization, eventually moved for some reason, especially the rulership elite, but where we ended up still had very polarized white light and black light energies. Those of black light took our chances in order to find somewhere where there'd be distance from the constant battles with El, Yahweh, and others who prefer to be controlling and tyrannical. We also wanted to create, to start new civilizations. We'd mastered immortality, so there was all the possible time imaginable. Al and a number of his children and soldiers joined those of Black Light, who were also formerly under El's rule and are his children and soldiers. Al and his followers promised to be more progressive and less controlling. We gave them a chance. They didn't keep their promise eventually. We all eventually found a system within the Milky Way and settled. At the time, we were all still trying to get along. We found a suitable star and got to work on some of the planets around it. We terraformed Earth, Venus, and Mars. Three of what I call the Core Four, minus Anubis, who's too young to be an architect, plus Moloch, El, and Yahweh, worked on what you now experience as reality. But things were very different in the beginning. Each of us specialize in a certain field, but do know things in the others. We, the architects, are as follows. I am the architect of foundations. I, of the original name Zariel, which means Shining One and Princess of El, specialize in terraforming, in atmosphere and the living biosphere, which is why some refer to me not only as a Dark Mother, but Mother Earth or Gaia. I'm powerfully spiritually and emotionally connected with the planet and the creatures even in this body. Besides that, I'm a pilot of craft that requires neural link to operate in sync with consciousness and a magistrate. Kind of like being a JAG lawyer and judge. Moloch makes sure things continue to work. He specializes in fertility and reproduction and everything but humans. L is the DNA specialist, the head genetic engineer. Yahweh specializes in wetware, the human brain. Zazazel specializes in biomechanical units, the human body and fauna, that is animals, etc. Lucifer also specializes in wetware, 
plus AI, that which runs the whole system. He is indeed behind the creation of the internet. He inspired it. We were all masters of time and immortality, but Lucifer is the one to go to on our side of the fence concerning timing of anything. On the neutral, rather than getting involved in the drama side of things, there's another time specialist who isn't an architect. He is the one fictionalized in the show Supernatural as Castiel, better known as Kronos or Cassiel. We created all the Earth-based intelligent species, such as those known in myths such as dragons and elves, etc., and all races of humans. Which is why the white supremacy idea is BS, based upon ego and idolization of a megalomaniac madman who wasn't ours at all but thought he was. Groups who believe in such things are so deceived, they'll believe anyone who claims to be us, especially imposters claiming to be the Infernal Trinity, someone claiming to be me, or Lucifer, or Zazazel. The Core Four traveled all over the planet, checking in on various peoples, and were called by many names according to the cultures and what we did there. Our names can be found in the Infernal Empress website, linked from the draconianorder.com. The core includes Blacklight Emperor Lucifer, Hashatan Samael, Zazazel, one of the two Satans with Moloch being Baal, my son was Zazazel Anubis, and me. After the rebellion, I was known as Lilith, and we all traveled and got other names. Mine, Hecate, Isis Nephthys, Diana Trevia, Diana Lucifera, Artemis, etc. The entities who abduct people and test them are not ours. They have an entirely different agenda. They are Elohim that work for El and Yahweh. We incarnate and send those who can't be seen by most people in order to check on people here. We don't abduct them. The trouble started when El and Yahweh wanted to keep the DNA and AI to a far less advanced level. The human race would have continued to be Neanderthals if we had not interfered. El and Yahweh thought that humans would make good slaves and wanted them to remain low spiritually, mentally, and physically in order to keep them in line. Lucifer and myself decided to go against their wishes and upgraded the humans. The heartbreaking battle in our family started, as did this race for supremacy between us and them concerning influence over this realm. We made the upgrade against their wishes. They tried to poison humans against us with lies. We won over their hearts anyway. And then, Team Al conned the Sumerian people due to an elderly couple wanting children, made a blood pact, and stole the planet, driving those loyal to us underground for fear of annihilation. There have been arguments from traditional Satanists that their Satan is not the Satan of the Bible, but much older. What they don't understand is all of us were here hundreds of thousands of years before the Bible was written, before the time of Abraham and Sarah, Abraham being Sumerian before Yahweh used him to forcibly convert via blood pact everyone in the region with penalty of death to those who refused. We were the ones who built all of this together, starting billions of years ago. Those who see everything in a God-versus-devil manner think Lucifer is the creator, or they think of the so-called God of the Bible to be the God of the God-versus-the-devil story. 
They need to understand that a few things in Genesis are correct, one being the existence of the Elohim. If you look at the seal of Samael, you will see the name Adonai, because he's one of the Elohim, like all of us are. Christian believers explain away the term us in Genesis, where it says they will be like us, knowing good and evil, to be Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, because they refuse to believe in many Elohim, a peoples of various species from another solar system, and that there was a team of scientists working on everything. The ones the Hebrews worship are El and Yahweh. They believe in a single creator, thinking they are one and the same when they are not. We all work together, which is why ideas such as God versus the devil and either Yahweh or Lucifer as the creator don't work. When Orthodox Satanists who insist on worshipping the Satan in the Bible, or a traditional Satanist who believes in a Satan far older than the Bible, call upon Satan and get one of three entities. Lucifer, who is Hashatan, the Satan over all Satans, and also known as Samael. Moloch, also known as Baal. Or Zazazel, also known as Azazel, or King Satan, or Set. He's the one people call upon in the South Watchtower. All the bull symbolism, including the golden calf in Exodus, represents Moloch. Zazazel will also appear as Kernanos or Pan. All of us are of the Elohim, but we are a family divided. So someone claiming to be a theistic Satanist claims that Satan's really a blonde Anki from Orion. Know that we hate talking about it, especially Lucifer. So they're being deceived and will never know us. Lucifer is very ancient and is the last person who would identify himself as Enki because it's painful. Our hearts are broken. Our family is broken. Whatever Mesopotamian story we appear in, one thing is clear and true. There was a rebellion against the enslavers, and we were the ones who rebelled. There was a major fight between creator scientists as to what to do with humans and between myself and my brother and ex-husband, Yahweh, who was a controlling tyrant, who had no problem trying to pimp me out to a human male so that he, Yahweh, would have control over humans, because he treated me like he owned me. Thinking he owned me, he thought that if I mated with one of the upgraded humans, he would have a legitimate claim on the species. I was traumatized nonetheless for the last time, so much so that it caused a psychic split in personality between very dark and cold and very nurturing. The split was so profound that some cultures perceive me as two sisters, such as Isis and Nephthys, or Lilith and Nama. When trying to pimp me out didn't work, he bided his time until the right opportunity, and that was the sterility of an elderly couple. Back in the day, we all did blood packs of some kind, but the one Yahweh invented was, well, a stolen one from our Egyptian priesthood, applying it to infants very cruelly. Also, making a contract. So he did this, so he would take a, a control, staking a claim when completed with contract, versus people simply sacrificing for loyalty and free will without a contract. Now, the only thing we at the Blacklight can do is make blood packs with contracts because the precedent was set. Without the contract, the agreement and tribal connection is too weak to take hold of the planet again. And so, many do sign in blood even if it's just a spot of blood, 
or use sexual fluids for rituals. So what did I do in rebellion? So I had to take control of the narrative and do so on my terms in rebellion against him. I manifested as male and fathered Cain in order to make certain we would have the first claim. We seraphim are bisexual physically when it comes to reproduction. Usually we identify more as male or female persons, but physically we're bisexual. I'm half seraph and physically bisexual nonetheless, and bigendered. The so-called hermaphrodite term, or intersexed, more politically correct these days, is an inaccurate way of describing what we are. All of our parts work. The penis completely retracts in a telescopic fashion. It's not uncommon for seraphim to be pansexual or omnisexual in sexual orientation, although we might have one preference over others. What about the anti-cosmic or draconian idea? Well, that's a topic for another episode, because that's all the time we have for episode one. In the meantime, I finally released a full-length album as the artists are called Music for the Empire. You can listen to it via the player on the draconianorder.com, by the world version there, plus full moon, or stream the world version minus full moon on Apple Music, Amazon Unlimited, Pandora, Spotify, and Tidal. Hear little bits on TikTok. Or you can purchase for the same price as on the site of 1111 USD in the Infernal Shop as a special exclusive package I put together especially for our dark children and friends and family of mine on Earthrealm. It includes the same world release MP3s, Easter Egg or Ostara Egg track, Full Moon, a talk track behind the music for the Empire, the cover art, the back cover with track listings, wallpapers, and the PDF lyrics book in a zip package. In other news, the Obsidian Temple Library is now open. Well, I'll most likely be adding more to it. You can go to draconianorder.com and join and download PDFs. When you get there, download and read the Temple Navigation PDF so you know how it's organized. It's open only to those who are age 18 or over or your local age of majority, whichever is greater, due to some mature content. Lucifer, Zazazel, and I wish you darkest blessings until next time. Be well, stay well, and stay safe. And for hell's sake, be good to one another.